0: Well, today, we're in Mark for another sermon in the series that we've called Jesus Rules. And we're going to see how much power and how much authority Jesus really has today. And I've called this sermon, Good Versus Evil. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that think there, there isn't good and evil in the world. And that is a major mess up. That is... Uh, fundamentally wrong thinking that will, will lead people away from Jesus Christ. There is good and there is evil and you can discover it. God in his way, that's good. Here's God's way right here. It's good. The enemy in his way is evil and we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come in a powerful way. I pray that you would cause people to see how awesome the power, and the authority of Jesus Christ is. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't only be challenged today, but that we'd be changed. I pray that our thinking, would res- that we'd receive it, Lord. You are greater than any force we'll ever see come across or recognize on this earth. You are all-powerful. Show us by the power of your Holy Spirit the truth of this, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. A good understanding of the following things will help you be an overcomer in your life. Three things I want to bring out from that text today. This might be the most complex point sentence that I've ever had, but I really like it. So let's see if you can get it. Understand that good people will be unwittingly influenced to not believe in you. Look at the text, verse 20 of Mark 3. One time Jesus entered a house, so he's starting his public ministry early on here, and crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. We see from another text, probably the same story, that they were pressing in tightly in this place, these huge crowds. When his family, in other versions, uh, say people, so it's probably more than just family, family and friends. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. So here's people that know him. Um, family, for sure, that has grown up with him, and they're saying he's demented. He's out of his mind. That's what they said about Jesus Christ. Not the bad people who didn't love him that were Pharisees. The good people that were close to him said, is he out of his mind? Who does he think he is? Well, he just happened to be Jesus Christ, but, but they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't see it. Even his friends and family didn't believe in him. And you've got to understand in your life, I just think it's a good example for us to look at, that if if people didn't believe in Jesus, there'll be people in your life that certainly will not believe in you. And um, it's not just people that don't like you. See, that's where we get really confused in life sometimes. Sometimes it's people that are close to you, that love you, that don't believe in you and the calling the Lord's given you. They don't get it. There are family members and their friends and their coworkers and their bosses and their team members and their brothers and sisters in Christ that don't believe in us sometimes. And I would say oftentimes they're well-intentioned people. And these are the things that can confuse us, because we start to say, well, if God's given me a gift and a call and you're starting to move towards it, and somebody says something discouraging to you that you love or know, you could say, Well, maybe, maybe I should just quit then. I think it's good to know that oftentimes you're right on track and the enemy, enemy will, will unwittingly use people, people unwittingly receive that thought from the enemy that says, yeah, they're not going to be anything special or do anything for God. I just think it's good to know that uh, so you don't get discouraged. Otherwise, you could get Discouraged. There's a really good chance that at one time or another in your life, people you care about will not believe in you or a cause the Lord has given you. Part of the enemy's plan is to discourage you with this. The enemy of our souls, called the devil, is known by two things. So I just want to bring them out for you right now. He's called the accuser. We see it in Revelation 12.10. For the accuser of our brother and sisters has been thrown down to... Earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. So what's the enemy do with believers? He accuses them. What's he accuse them of? Just all kinds of rotten stuff. Wrong motives, cheating, lying, stealing, trying to draw attention to yourself. He's a liar. But he's not only the accuser and a liar, but he's the father of all lies, the Bible says. John 8:44 when he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. I find, I don't know how much spiritual significance this has, but I find through experience that people often accuse you of what they do. So if their motives would be to do something towards, you know, for themselves or gather things to themselves, they'll accuse you of doing it. And one of the ways you know, um, and I often find that it's interesting to me that people will be accused um, and lied to about their strength. Like people say, well, you don't care about someone when you're really a deeply compassionate person. And I think the enemy does that because if you're a deeply compassionate, loving person, it's obviously very important to you. And so what could discourage you more than anything else to hear that you don't care about people when you really do? And... People, believers, family members, unwittingly will say the dumbest stuff because they're listening to a thought from the enemy and they hurt believers. And where's, where's the origin? Even though it's a believer, even though it's a family member, the origin is the lie of the enemy that was taken as a thought by one of the people who love us and then vocalized towards us. Now, I don't think you should see your loved ones as the enemy. I really don't. It, you know, our battle's not against flesh and blood. I'm trying to tell you how evil works, and the way the enemy works is he's an accuser and he's a liar, and he wants to discourage you with those things. Here's some of the things that uh, the accusing father of lies will say. You've made too many mistakes in your past, right? Now, this, this isn't sometimes uh, a thought that comes from our friends that vocalize it, but sometimes it's a thought that the enemy's whispering to us that we take. God won't give you his power or use you in a significant way because you've made too many mistakes. I, um, or or maybe, it's, maybe it's not that you've made mistakes, but your gifts and abilities aren't that great. Your talents, let's say. Well, the, the gifts of God are way different than our talents, right? The gifts of God are supernatural. And we tend to think in terms of just our talent. But if there's a surrendered person who's humble the supernatural can do anything through them that God wants to do, right? God gives his gifts as he wills. So it's not just about talent or ability. I remember um, that I, when I, w- I was probably eight or ten years old, I can't, I can't remember exactly how old, but my dad was talking to one of our uh, extended family members in another room. We were visiting them in their home. And I started to walk into the room, but I heard, them, I heard her say, Stanley, well, that's what my family calls me wherever I go, you know, it's the only place really, Tom Leisman calls me Stanley, but not very many people call me Stanley, but that's my name. And uh, I heard my name, and so I stopped where I was, and she said, him, a preacher, because my dad said, I feel like the Lord is calling him to be a pastor someday. She said, well, that kid can barely talk, he, he'll never be a pastor. That was my family member. And uh, just recently, that, that person's uh, much older now, and... Um, when I, was, when I was with her, I heard her say, you know, Stanley, I've always loved you. You know, I've always remembered that, by the way. <laughs> Obviously, you can tell. And I thought, well, you may have loved me, but there was, there was a time where you didn't believe in me, that's for sure. And, and the enemy will just come to tell you, even through good people, uh, you're just not quite good enough. But here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, um, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone. A new life has come. A new life has begun. So if it's your past and you've sinned, um, you know, I thought that about myself. I, I'm a prodigal. I'm not proud of that, but it's true. And I was raised in the church, and I fell uh, away uh, in the early years of my college experience. And I knew the way. I'm gonna tell you, I I knew the way and I knew Jesus was the way and I decided not to follow him. That's a good reason to be disqualified to me. I mean, if I'm God and a young man knows and he moves away, then I say, yeah, I probably can't use him anymore. Thank God I'm not God, huh? Because he says that he forgives us of our sins and I I, I found a pain in in the life that I chose in just that short season and I found that everything I told was, uh, was told had been told was true. That when you get outside the boundaries of God's rules, yes, his rules, they're just made for our blessing. That when you get outside those boundaries, you get hurt and you hurt others. And that's exactly what happened to me. I got hurt and I hurt others. I was suspended from a Christian college. And here I am, you know. And, and uh, I remember I saw a guy out of a football game once who went to the college. It was Judson Baptist at the time that I was suspended by. And um, rightly so, I might, I might add. And, and I, I be- just can I tell you something? I believe in discipline because it changed my life. Discipline from spiritual leaders changed my life. I believe in it. It's in the Bible to help people see the way. And you lose something now so you don't lose a lot later. That's the whole point about discipline, right? With our children and, and, and in the body of Christ as well. And uh, I, I, I just remember experiencing that and, and then thinking, man, I don't want this way. I, I want to I I follow Jesus from my own heart. And I turned, and I did. And this fellow out here on the football field was from Judson Baptist, and we went to school together. And he said, Stan Russell. Wow. And, and he's, he's, he's a very out there person. Uh, I mean, he, there's nothing in his mind that he won't vocalize. He's one of those people, you know. And he said, do those people know about you? Yeah. Well, not in the, you know, the nitty-gritty details, but I was, a, and I am a sinner, but I was a sinner saved by grace. And I tell my story from time to time so people can know that Jesus forgives. And he makes us new persons, as the scripture says. You'll be accused at times. Here's another one. You just want to draw attention to yourself. Kind of what was happening with Jesus here, Right? Big crowds pressing in so much they couldn't even eat their food. Another version, the message, it's kind of a paraphrase in verse 21, and it says, they suspected he was getting carried away with himself. The family members and the friends. <clears throat> now, I'm not trying to say anybody here is Jesus Christ, right? I know who we're talking about. But I'm, I'm just saying if it happened to him, it's going to happen to you too. And... Um, I remember, I don't think I've ever told you this story before, but when I played high school basketball, I was in Bend, Oregon, playing for the Lava Bears, and um, there was one high school there, now there's three or four in Bend now, I think, Um, but I remember we were playing in Prineville, which is where Jay Anderson went to high school, but I'm I'm much older than Jay is, so he wasn't there, and... And I was having one of those games where I could not miss. I mean, the deal in basketball is when you get someone who's hot, you feed them, right? I don't know if you've noticed that before, but you just milk it till it's gone. And sometimes they can hit five or six in a row, and that was happening to me that night. As a matter of fact, I scored 26 points in the first two quarters. And one of my teammates came up to me. I'm hitting everything. It's crazy. The hoop looked like an ocean that I was throwing the ball into, you know. It was just one of those. It it didn't happen all the time, believe me. But it was happening that night. And one of the guys on the team came up to me and said, you're hogging the ball. Stop shooting. Now, it was the guy that I was starting over. I had just come that year. And I don't think his motive was really to to bless the team there. His motive wasn't quite right. And I said to him, Rick, I'm making everything. And he just shook his head and walked away. And there will be people sometimes, it's just true, people that are close to you, people that are on your team who don't like to see you do well. And I, you know, I don't think you should go after them. I, I don't even think there's a rebuke that's in place. Here's the main thing you do when people don't believe in you. Who are you doing it for? You're not doing it for them anyway, right? If it's ministry, you're doing it for God. And so, you just keep your heart right before God, you keep moving, you keep your spirit sweet, and eventually, God will do what he wants to do and show what he wants to show through your life, regardless of what other people do. And the irony is, those people will be there to shake your hand and give you a hug when what the Lord has accomplished is seen. It's not that they're against you, it's just that they, 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 they really... In ministry, sometimes they really don't get that God's going to use humble little you to do amazing things. So when they say you just want to draw attention to yourself, try not to get hurt. I think it's appropriate to say, Lord, is that true? If it is, I want to change it. But I'm just going to assume most of the time it's not. And I'll tell you, there are times it's not, and that that will happen. People say that. People say you're not talented or gifted enough. Uh, Ephesians 4, 7 says he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Right? So you say, I don't have any gifts. That's not true. The Bible says he's given you a special gift. What is it? I, I don't know. Maybe you don't know, but I'll tell you what, it's in there. It can be unleashed whenever you call upon the Lord because it's not, here's the key to all this. It's not our strength, but it's his. That's the key. It's his strength in us. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. Whatever he calls you to do, he will empower you and equip you to do if you'll stay humble and follow him. him. It takes these things. It takes your willingness to be a worker. If you're not willing, he can't do it, right? You're not going to take the time? That's your choice. Then he can't do the amazing thing through your life. It's our willingness to not only work, but to start with the small things, the little things. If we're not willing to do that, we can't, we can't get to the great thing that he wants to do through our lives. It's our willingness to give God the glory in everything we do. Whatever the results are, if it's supernatural, then all the, all the results come from him, right? Not from us. And so we just, we're just just mirrors reflecting back or, 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 or we're deflecting back to God the praise. And these things are the keys to God using us in great ways. Be aware though that at times in your life good people you love are not going to believe in you. I think I brought this out today. You can bring different things out from the text but I think the Lord wants some people to know this. I think he wants to speak to some hearts directly And cause you to say, oh, that happens to everybody. I thought it just happened to me. Believe what God says about you instead of what the unbeliever or the person who doesn't believe in you says. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time thinking of myself as a masterpiece. I can think of you that way. It seems easier. But this is what the Lord says about even me. And you you are a masterpiece. Now, I'm just going to we're just going to try a little exercise here. I'm uh, I'm not a huge audience interaction guy, but I want you to turn to the person on your right and left and say you are God's masterpiece. Just do that for just a moment. Would you say it even if it feels funny? Somewhere right now there's a wife saying, well, you're art in progress, but you're certainly not a masterpiece, <laughs> which is true to some degree for all of us, all right? Goes on to say, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can go- do good things. Now, I want you to think of this. You're his masterpiece, but he's planned for you to do things long ago. Isn't that cool? He already knows what he has planned for you. I think that's the coolest thing. Here's Masterpiece and he's gonna use you. Believe that and keep moving, keep trusting the Lord. Second thought, understand that this world will be influenced to call good evil. When I say this world, I, I, I'm talking about those who do not know Christ, the philosophy of this world. We see it in the text here, but the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, they're talking about Jesus now. Catch this, he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons, that's where he gets the power to cast out demons. He's the epitome of good and the religious leaders. Now, in the first point I made, it was family and friends saying he's crazy, he's demented. Here, we, we have religious leaders who know not God saying he's demonic. So Jesus was called demented and demonic in, in a pretty short period of time here. Thank God he didn't get discouraged and quit, right? But let's talk about the world now. Um, they, will, they will just completely twist this. Do you know what perversion is? Perversion means to turn a, a, a principle upside down. To take that which is right and make it wrong. Is to pervert. And um, the world does that with the truth of God on a regular basis, They'll call evil good and good evil. Isaiah 5.20 says, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Here's how it's happening today. When Sarah Palin gives birth to her developmentally disabled child, they call it selfish instead of loving. When Tim Tebow takes a knee to humbly thank God for a win or a loss, they call it showboating. When Billy Graham says sex outside of the marriage between a man and a woman is sin, they say that's his opinion. Instead of looking to the truth of God to find out, you say, "Well, why 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 should we believe the Bible?" Well, the way that God has changed lives through this word is amazing. I found it to be true in every aspect, and I've studied it so closely and there have been times that I had a hard time receiving what was in there, but if I didn't, eventually I would find out that was true and I, it was me. It's the inspired word of God, it's been proven over and over and over. Where do you think our laws came from in America? They're based on the Ten Commandments. If there's no evil, then stealing could be okay, I guess, right? Or killing. Well, no, not if, you, not if you, uh, you, you know, you don't hurt another person. You're just hurting yourself. What reminds me of the dad that's an alcoholic and people say, please stop, our family's hurting. And it's, it's like he's drilling a hole in the boat and he says, hey, what do you care? This hole is under my seat. But, when, but if he makes a hole and he keeps this up, the whole family goes down, Right? So people say, "Well, I'm just hurting myself, not hurting the others." That's just a bunch of baloney. When you hurt yourself, you hurt others that are close to you on a regular basis. There has to be some boundary. And doesn't it make sense that the God of heaven would set the boundaries because he knows this is a this is not just a rule book. It's an instruction manual to keep us in a safe place to keep us. I mean, I mean, right, the stop sign. People say, I don't, I don't care about a stop sign. That's for others, it's not for me. And you run it, and what happens? We had a young lady who was in her mid-20s die here because someone ran a red light. 15 miles an hour through those, those curves. Well, you, you know, caution. You can ignore that, right, on the road signs. But does, isn't it good that they're there? Aren't they there for our safety? And, and, you know, when you take it to the apex of what's important, this word protects our lives and the lives of others. And it brings eternal life, which is more important. But they're going to lie to you. I cannot believe how the media, and I'm talking about music and even video games and um, uh, movies, movies. Um, the, the, the 6 o'clock news, the, the, the media in America predominantly does not believe the truth of God. Well, since we're watching uh, somewhere between 20 and 40 hours a week of this stuff, and we're, you know, how much are you in church and in the Word, guess what's happened to Christians in America? We are buying in to the lies that say good is evil. Evil is good. As a matter of fact, the worst sin to them is for you to say that something's sin. That's a terrible sin to them. And I'm just telling you, you better know what this says. And I'm telling you that you should follow it if you want to be blessed. Is God loving? Yes, He's loving, but He won't go against His truth. If you choose to deny the truth, even though you're His, you'll still be hurt, right? If you want to ignore the stop sign... Even though he wants you to be blessed, you could be hurt. 2 Timothy 3.1 shows us this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. And we're living in the last days. For people will love only themselves and their money. It's talking about the world now. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. You know, you know, the word is true, and it's true in the balance and the totality of, of the, the book called the Bible. So the Bible, the Bible says, to, you know, we're, we're into relationship and reaching people and loving people. That's awesome. But did you know some people have so rejected God that the Bible says it's like casting pearls before swine? And I, I think sometimes the Lord will just speak to your heart and say, there's not really an opening here. In this season, don't waste your time. Uh, right? Because if I'm going to work and I want to harvest, I'd like to be productive, right? I want, I, and, and if someone's not open, well, all I'm going to do is get beat up by talking to them, right? And, and so when the Bible says stay away from them, if there's some people who are so influencing your life that they're dragging you down instead of you pulling them up, get out of the relationship. There may be a time where it will be different, where you can't influence them for good. But if they're just making you feel bad and pulling you down and causing you to believe untruth, get away from them, at least for a season. I found at times that, there, that I had relationships where I, I wasn't able to influence people and, it, and then there, were, there, there was a season that came where I was able to love them with the love of God where they could experience what God wanted for them. But there are just times and seasons that people just aren't open and we need to recognize it. Well, I'm kind of strained from my point here, so I better get back. Third thought here. Understand that the power of Jesus is far superior to the devils. Trying to show you the way the enemy works, right? So the first point is he'll use well-intentioned people to discourage you when they take his thoughts and they unwittingly don't even know it. The, the second thought that I had for you today is the, the enemy is working in this world to make good evil, and evil good, and we, we got to be careful and not deceived. The third thought now, as we're understanding the characteristics of the enemy, is uh, you, you need to understand that he wants to make you think he's powerful, but when you stand in Jesus Christ, he's a toothless lion. say, aren't you afraid? Well, look, if I, if I wasn't standing in the power of Jesus Christ, I'd be scared to death because he's way stronger than I am. I'm not saying he doesn't have power. But, but when it comes to Jesus and the devil, we, we, Christians talk like this, you know, battle between good and evil. No, Jesus, the devil, it's not even close. Every time there's a battle and Jesus comes on the scene, he will defeat the enemy. There's never a time where the enemy defeats Jesus Christ. There might be a time where we don't trust in Jesus Christ and we don't call upon his power and we don't walk in obedience and we can't appropriate what he wants to give us. But Jesus is powerful. Mark 3.23, Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. They, they said he was demon-possessed. He said, how can Satan cast out Satan? Satan. 24, A uh, kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. And he said this, let me illustrate further who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods, only someone even stronger. You see what Jesus is saying about himself? I just want us to catch that today. He's way stronger. And you say, why, why, why would you bring this out this way? I, I can't tell you how many people are afraid of the devil. Uh, I can't tell you how many people are running from the devil instead of running to God. I get tired of it. I don't want to hear about the devil. I want to hear about Jesus. And I'm telling you, you will be sidetracked, you will be crippled as a Christian if you're talking about the devil all the time. Now, there are demons in this world. Jesus cast them out several times in the New Testament. There's still demons in this world. But there's not a demon behind every bush. God's power is unlimited. He's omnipowerful, omnipotent. The devil's power is limited. He can't even be every place at once. And yet he... He has power in this world only because God is letting him reign. He's called the ruler, the, the prince of darkness. And he, he, he's allowed to have power, but only because Jesus lets him. And it's all about seeing who will follow God from their own hearts. The enemy will try to stop us from following. But when we trust in Jesus, we need to know that he's more powerful than anything we face from the enemy. Now, I'm not saying that the enemy hasn't plundered your family. Maybe he has. But if he plundered your family, there were were reasons and openings that were given. There were truths that were ignored. I'm not even saying the enemy can't cause pain to believers because he can. But let let me talk about this for just a moment. Here we have Jesus who's setting them right, saying, look, I cast them out because I'm light, essentially he's saying. My power is far greater than darkness. I can cast them out. 2 Corinthians 6.14, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? I want to just speak to that for just a moment. I just don't want to go by this passage without talking about this. Christ will not cohabitate with demons. Christians are not demon-possessed. If someone is demon-possessed, it is a sign that they are not a Christian. Because Jesus says, I, I, light and darkness won't dwell together. I, I'm not going to not let that, uh, it, it can't happen because I'm too powerful. You, you know the scripture in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It doesn't say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in me. Nowhere in the Bible Does it say, where believers are talking, the disciples, the apostles, the writers of the Bible, these demons that are within me? I'm just saying, there's just a lot of, it's charismatic teaching. There's a lot of stuff about demons living in Christians that's totally sidetracking believers. Totally weirding people out. Stop it. Greater is he that is in you than the one that's in the world. Now, that said, you say, well, what what is all this hassle that we feel at times? It's true, we see it in the Bible that the enemy can hassle Christians. We see that. We don't see that he lives in them and controls them, though. Anything we give him, you you know, he, he can't control believers unless we're influenced by an outward thought. He can give thoughts. Like he said to Jesus, cast yourself down, right? He spoke to him in that setting. He tried to tempt him, he spoke to him. And there are thoughts that the enemy or those that are his can whisper in our hearts, but he can't make us take those things. We, we leave an opening when we receive a thought that is set up against the truth of Jesus Christ and his word. And the Bible says to take those thoughts captive, doesn't it? He can do an outward work. This is what I'm saying, but he can't do an inward work. He can speak from the outside, but he can't get in. The only control he can have is what we give him. He can't take it. Unless we give it to him. Never once in the Bible does it say, these demons within me. And I just think it's appropriate to see here that Jesus is saying, when I show up, I'm stronger and I, I cast the weaker one out. I want you to know this because you must understand. I want you to fill this in, even if you're not taking notes. There's a place for this blank. I'm just asking you to fill this in so it kind of gets cemented in your mind. The power of God to help you is far superior than the power of the enemy to hurt you. The power of God to help you is far superior than the power of the enemy to hurt you. You know, I just, you just, you're a pastor and you go through life and you know, I've got, I don't know, 25, 27 years of ministry now. And every now and then you just see people who are working with people who've just been hammered by the enemy climb down into the pit with them and just hurt together. And say, yeah, the enemy you know beats us sometimes. And uh, I, look, there's a place for compassion and there's a, there's a place for going to people and sitting with people. Don't misunderstand me. But don't stay in the pit with them. Don't make the enemy more powerful than Jesus. Tell them who he is. Tell them about his word and say, come with me out of this pit. Let's go to a better place. I know there's hurt and, 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 and there's reasons. And I'm, I'm not really talking about grief here. But I'm talking about the enemy uh, overcoming people uh, with, with his with his power because they're not trusting in the power of Jesus. Teach people how to trust in Jesus. You sit in a pit with them, you know what they'll say? You're awesome. But you know what they're not saying? Jesus is awesome. And we need to get to the place where we're teaching people how awesome and superior Jesus is, how he loves and has compassion, how he'll heal, how even the hurt of the past, he can smooth it over with his grace and his power. And even people who don't love you, he'll give you a heart so you can love them, even though you've never been loved. But you don't have to be weighed down by the pain, you can come out of it. The power of God to help you is far superior to the power of the enemy to hurt you. And we need to trust in him and know that. How, how do we do that? Well, we, I just want to mention two things. We, we, we obey the truth of this word because there's safety there. Disobeying this word leads you to a place where the enemy uh, can, can uh, get a foothold and hammer you, even with an outward thing. And we pray. We obey and we pray. Uh, if you're gonna obey the word, you gotta know it, right? So you gotta be in it. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you from that word. That's why we want people in the word every day, not just on Sundays. Because it just blesses and protects your life. But when you pray, now I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be real with you here and, and I'm gonna trust that you're not gonna be afraid because I've talked about the superiority of Jesus Christ, Right? But I've been in situations with demon-possessed people before. It's real and it's true. And I've had the voices speak out uh, from people, just like they did in the Bible. And I, I remember a demon speaking through a kid one time in a situation where he said, in, in a hideous voice, I'm going to kill you. That's what he said to me. And, you know, this kid standing up in an intimidating way, a, a full-grown man, a teenager, and here's what I said, you can't touch me because I don't stand here in my own strength and power. I stand here in the name of Jesus Christ. It is his power and his authority that I speak with. And I say to you, demon, come out. Now, some don't come out but by fasting and prayer. And it took us a long time that night, but we prayed that kid through and he got delivered and eventually went into the ministry. I don't want to tell you his name because you might think weird about him. This stuff is real. But the power of Jesus is far superior. Now, the devil goes around, the Bible says, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I think we can take this as a motivation to draw close to Jesus, right? Because he's loving, he's powerful. There's safety there. We don't have to fear but we protect ourselves and our family when we follow, and when there 's attacks, we stand in the authority of Jesus Christ, and we defeat the evil one. Jesus defeats him here 's a story I really loved that I read this week, a story of an Ethiopian missionary while working with Christian youth in the southern part of Ethiopia under communist rule he, and he worked there this this minister from 1974 to 1991. His name was Abera Wata. And he almost lost his life. He told the following story to fellow missionary John Cumbers. Here's, here's Abera's story. Word came from the commandant that the party leaders had studied my report about the work and the ministry among the young people. The authorities decided that I had to be executed because of my treasonous words sharing the gospel. The only way you can overturn this sentence, said the commandant, is for you to deny that you are one of the believers. So they told him, We're going to kill you unless you deny Christ. And Abera says, I told the commandant, if they execute me, I will be immediately with the Lord. I just, I just love it that not even death has sting for a Christian. That's what the Bible says. The commandant replied, That's what I expected you to say. And Abara says, As I awaited execution in prison, my Savior gave me songs to sing that I had never heard before. He turned me into a composer. My fellow prisoners and I reveled in the joys of praise to our God. The guards tried to silence us, but with the threat of execution hanging over us, why should we keep quiet? told him he was going to die in the morning anyway he just decided he was going to praise God could take him if they wanted to take him tonight that night seven men came to Christ in the prison that he was singing in and then they all were singing together one guard took delight in mocking us, Obera says, he would put filthy words to the tunes that we sang, now here's the enemy showing up, here's the enemy intimidating one night, this guard patted his revolver and promised, tomorrow morning, you won't be in the land of the living. Obera says, just after midnight, a tremendous storm burst above us. Huge hailstones fell, wrecking several roofs, including, including rather, the one where the insulting guard was sleeping and he was terrified. He pulled out his revolver and shot at random into the darkness, using up all of his bullets. And the storm took roofs off the commandant's house and the offices of the chief judge, the administrator and his deputy. These buildings were falling apart all around. The prisoners in three cells, or rather in cells three, four, and five, got a soaking from the rain too because their roofs came off. We were in cell one and we stayed dry. At 9 a.m., the nasty guard was pushed into our cell by the commandant who was whipping him with his belt. Other people in the background were yelling, we told this man to leave the believers alone. But he refused and so God has sent this terrible punishment on the town in prison. He deserves to be given some of his own medicine. Talking about the guard now. After the guard was finally released, he told Abera and those Christians in that cell, I know that the Lord was with you. I know the way I should have treated you, but Satan persuaded me otherwise. Please forgive me. And Abara says, we did forgive him. And several more men in that prison came to Jesus Christ. I thought, now there's a story about the intimidating power of the enemy. But a story about when people stand in Jesus Christ, the work of the enemy is thwarted and defeated. First John 4.4 4, But you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. The Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit that lives in the world. We can defeat the work of the enemy through obedience and prayer. Standing in the truth of the Word. Standing in the power of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.4 We fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. Our weapons have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strong places. I like it that it's not even defeat. It's destroy. Obliterate the work of the enemy. We destroy people's arguments and every proud thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. We capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. I guess I'll just close with saying this. If you have felt that God is not powerful enough to help you in your situation, I I just want you to change your mind today. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will cause you to see. God is more than powerful enough. He's all-powerful.